Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in to another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlon and I am joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. The first live stream of the uh, quote-unquote football season. Yeah, I felt like a little kid on Christmas all day today. I was so excited for this live stream. I was so excited for the unofficial official start of, I guess, our football coverage, kind of, even though we've been hitting some podcasts the last few weeks previewing everything as uh, fall camp has gotten underway for the Dukes. But it felt right less than a month until the uh, Bucknell game. We should start doing these live streams and we should start kind of diving into that full-on coverage. I love when the games actually occur. Yeah, I think that's a little bit more fun. I don't know. You've seemed like you've really enjoyed the games not occurring right now with the texts I'm getting on a daily basis. It's not enjoyment. It's just like diving into every little ounce of coverage that's out there from the local media, which has left me, you know, hungry for more. Yeah, we have an awesome segment coming up later that is I think from your hunger for more, you're so. you're kind of reading into things. You're going to pre- present three headlines, or I guess three quote. We'll see what what happens because Bennett just texted me this this morning that he had this idea. It's called news or snooze. Um, so we'll get to that in a little bit. But first, we have to say that our friends at Bet Online are your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing golf and more bet online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers including live betting and of course your favorite casino and card games all available to play right from your phone so head to the website today that's betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up and get in on the action remember to use promo code believe that's promo code b-l-e-a-v for your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts We also have our great friends at Three Notched who are uh, helping us out for another sports season, which we are super excited about that partnership. So check them out in Harrisonburg. If you're not in Harrisonburg, they are also scattered across Virginia. We've we've been to many Three Notch locations in our day. I have not checked the box on all of them, but no, I think we have that's, two left that's in my future. Yeah, we have Virginia Beach left, and we have their yep. new location in Nelson County around where Devil Backbone and uh, Bold Rock are all located. So we have to get on over there, check them out. Uh, I do have a question for him. I'm going to put you on the spot. What is your favorite three-notched beer right now? That's a tough question and a good question. I think any of their their sort of like the ones they have constantly in rotation on the word flagships, thank you, yep. would be, <laughs> um, I would say though the Duke of Clouds, the Emperor of Clouds, those sort of offshoots right now would, would probably be yeah. my favorite those ipas those are those are good ones for me i can only have about one yeah given, i've, <laughs> I've seen you after you two i've me. seen you after two and uh yeah maybe we want to hold it to one those are good answers those are good answers they uh just released or i think right now during their 10th anniversary they're releasing some of like their older beers and like remaking them uh they i think they had a boysenberry sour which was absolutely fantastic yeah. they have a uh a beer they brewed in partnership with New Belgium. Uh, it's another hazy IPA. I forget exactly what it's called. Absolutely fantastic. And during these summer months, I love pour some shandy on me because I can't get enough shandy right now. Really? You're in the, that summer shandy? 
There's something about a light beer mixed with lemonade that is just too good to pass up. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, and if you also are in Harrisonburg or the Weir's Cave area, check out Christopher William Jewelers. It's where Virginia gets engaged. There's a reason Christopher William Jewelers has been voted best of Virginia year after year. It's not just one thing that sets us apart. It's everything. It's the selection, extensive and unmatched, with every engagement ring, loose diamond, and fashion jewelry chosen for quality and brilliance. It's the service. From our diamond experts to our master goldsmith, our team shares a passion for what they do, and it shows. It's the atmosphere, both glamorous and laid back. See for yourself why people can't stop talking about Christopher William Jewelers in Harrisonburg and Weir cave heck yeah circling back real quick to three now so i wanted to make sure i didn't speak out of turn because i always get confused on where the flagships are so harrisonburg i believe has minuteman and then minuteman and 40 mile are both in charlottesville i believe that's yeah i don't love 40 mile okay I also don't like West Coast IPA, so like that is a, a really big thing. It's kind of funny, and not to go – we'll go on a side tangent here real quick, and then we'll dive into previewing the JMU defense and then going into some JMU fall camp chatter. But, um, Bennett, you are aware of our friend Dominic. Yes. This man would go to a brewery, and he turns to me while we're waiting in line, ah, no, I really don't like West Coast IPAs. I like every other beer, but just not a fan of West Coast IPAs. All right, Dom, that sounds good. We get to the front of the line, and he tells the bartender, what's your favorite beer? What do you like? And uh, the bartender goes, whatever the beer was. He says, like, the really mm-hmm. weird name of it. Just so happens to be a West Coast That's IPA. Tough. Dom goes, yeah, I'll get that. Takes one sip and goes, I don't like this beer. That's tough. That's tough, Dom. You gotta, <laughs> usually I would expect him to stand firm in his beliefs. <laughs> no, but no, he, he wavered quite quickly on that one. But you know who's not wavering quite quickly? The JMU defense. The JMU defense. Unless Kyle Ventrese is the quarterback. Oh, is it? I think it's too soon to bring up <laughs> that game. But we will have to talk about that game. You wrote an awesome article over at JMUSportsNews.com previewing the JMU defense, exactly like how you did for the offense, which we touched on last week. But this time you broke down the defensive line, the linebackers, and then the secondary, the safeties, and the corners. Where do you want to start? Do you want to go front to back or back to front when we're previewing this JMU defense? We can go front to back. Okay. So the defensive line. Yeah. Lost two of the biggest contributors a year ago. How do you expect them to take a step into 2023? I like the uh, the one deep, I guess. I don't. You don't hate, like the depth? I don't hate the too deep at defensive end. I have a lot of questions, and I had a lot of questions last year about defensive tackle depth, and James Carpenter just, like, happened to be, I don't know, probably the best player on the team, which I was like, I don't know I don't know about this guy. Turns out he's the best player on the team. So egg on my face there. And he also played a ton of snaps, which I he feel like. like 90% of the snaps, I think. As a defensive tackle where you'd think he might kind of like rotate in, the guy was an absolute animal. So if he stays healthy and can do that, then yeah, I feel pretty good about the defensive line. I just have some other questions. Emmanuel Bush, they brought in as a transfer from Marshall. He's like over 300 pounds. He's sort of that run stuffing guy, but can rush the passer passer a little bit. Uh, And then Jamry Chroma, I think in the spring, there were a lot of reports that he was going to move outside uh, last year was the first year of the program, Rutgers transfer. He's up to like 275 pounds. It sounds like they're going to end up using him inside from I would, what I've I wouldn't heard. be surprised. I think it's him and, and one other guy that's put on a lot of weight. I think it's 
uh, Nwabaku Akonji. Yeah, he uh, added a bunch of weight as well. I wouldn't be surprised if they use them as inside-out guys. Like, I think, a, la, yeah. a la Michael Bennett um, of the Seattle Seahawks from a few years ago. He would come in. Sorry, I was the scout. Of, I was the Seattle Seahawks scout today at practice. Big day for you, yeah. Yeah, big day for me. I was open in Harrisonburg as a Seattle Seahawks scout. They actually uh, asked me if I could do some, you know, moonlight work for them as a scout. But during that time, and you kind of see it, I'm trying to think of other guys. Maybe Jared Allen. Maybe I'm dating myself a little bit with these defensive linemen I'm naming. Um, but like Michael Bennett did it a lot in Seattle where he'd play the edge and then he would rotate into the defensive tackle mm-hmm. if it was like a run down. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's what they're going to do with, uh, Chroma and Nwabaku Akonji. Killer pronunciation. Appreciate that. Yeah. I think that's, that's a good point. They can use those guys because of their size in different ways. So then on the, like your true edge, you'll have Jalen green. Who's like 245 pounds. Yes. Really good pass rusher. Mikhail Kamara's 265, so maybe you can be a little bit more creative with him, but he he makes a ton of sense off the edge as well. Both those guys, I think, are really, really good. So I, I have a lot of like hope for them to have huge seasons. So I mean I like the the group overall, but yeah, I guess my biggest question is like, hey, who's who's backing up Carpenter? I know they've got Sean Johns, double first name there, who <laughs> uh he's been with the program a while, played a little bit. So like they have some guys who are capable of doing it i just have questions uh sean johns isn't that wasn't that one of the names that puff daddy would go under that sounds right yeah yeah um but i think camara mikhail camara camara which one is it i think it's camara okay i'm gonna mess that one up i got nuabaku akonji down and now I'm that's yeah that's it. impressive they got that one <laughs> but i think he's gonna be the best player on this defense is that a hot take if I he think, plays the full season, he is going to blow everyone else out of the water. Yeah, just to reiterate for the, any newbies listening in, we've mentioned this before, but he's played 11 games in his college career. He has 30 tackles during that time period, nine tackles for loss, and seven sacks. So, like, that would be a very good full season. So, if he can stay very healthy for those, you know, 12 games and threaten double-digit yes. tackles for loss or sacks, that would be a, a pretty big deal. Yeah. So, so defensive line, though, they were one of the best run-stopping units in the entire nation. Overall, they're one of the best front sevens in the Sun Belt. Assuming everyone kind of slots in where we expect them to be, personally, and, and Bennett, tell me your thoughts, I don't think they are going to fall all that far back in terms of will have to figure out what their roles are, but I, I think a Bucknell game and then what would be assumed a kind of lackluster UVA offense might be the perfect way to start the season for them. That's true. And then I guess even to a fair point with that is like Troy was great last year, but offensively they were pretty limited. So the first three games you're going up against teams offensively last year, they were not very good. So Troy lost a lot too. Yeah. The return, what Gunnar Watson, a quarterback, but he's kind of, he hasn't really shown himself to be like an elite quarterback. So not a terrible start there in terms of like the offenses you're facing. Um, and I'll, I got some UVA stats that I'll pull out later <laughs> on their, their offense later in the in the summer. Um, but anyway, no, I like the, I like the front seven. I like the defense. I think they have a chance to be super good up front on the defensive line. Like we mentioned, I guess my only concern would be if you get into November and you have like multiple injuries, I could see it, it dropping off just a tad. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the front seven. That includes the linebackers, Taurus Jones, Jalen Walker, both 
I believe, and this might be a little bit of my bias showing, I'll say that, all right, off the jump, but I think all Sunbelt caliber players. That's fair. I think that's fair. They're they're really good. They were really good last year. I think the part that always cracks me up is they're, like, not that big. They're tiny, actually. I think I'm taller than at least one of them. They play, so they list them both at 6'1", and then Taurus Jones would be 214 pounds, Jalen Walker 218 pounds. But you look at like power five guys and you like see a lot of linebackers who are 235, 240, 245. They 250, play like 255, 260, 265. Yeah, they play like power five caliber linebackers. They're just not that that huge, but they're super consistent. They're always in the right spot. Jalen Walker proved to have very good ball skills where he almost has like some safety kind of stuff where he can get in passing lanes and make some plays. He made more like plays on the ball than JMU safeties did. You could yeah. you could say so. I like that group, and then Aiden Fisher and Trent Hedrick are are really good sophomore backups. So I don't know. They're only usually throwing out two linebackers, so you have to feel good with with the two, and then the the whole two deep. I would think. Yeah, I I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think Jalen Walker has the ability to really take that next step. He was kind of youngish last year. Taurus Jones, I believe, is going into COVID messed me up. I believe he's going into his final year of eligibility. They got him uh, as a redshirt junior. Okay. I thought he was a senior somewhere listed as a senior. He's <laughs> he got in the program in 2019, so it seems like I don't know exactly how that works for so one, 2019 two, three, four, eligibility year. 2020 you... didn't count. 2021, so, yeah. 22. This would be yeah, this would be his junior season then, right? Because 2019, he redshirted. 2020, oh, he was did. Right. Okay, then yeah, this is junior. Season. So then yep. he's only really played like two eligibility, which is hilarious. <laughs> so I guess he can come back. I think both Keep those an eye guys on are going to be power five targets. I I, th- I thought Jalen Walker would at least be this soft season, so but too. they're undersized, so they may not be. But Demonte Tucker Dorsey was Two also under, slightly yeah. undersized, but yeah. Um, I think linebacker are probably the the one spot that I have no issues with at all this season. Yep. And then you can even throw in like Julio IML, who you assume would contribute on special teams probably, but he's been around a long time. Same with Seth Nautila. Yeah. So they've got like even more like special teams kind of depth at linebacker. It's a good spot for him. Special teams needs to have some depth after last season. That's very true. Um, And then – I have a feeling we might spend a little bit more time than uh, what we spent on the linebackers and defensive line combined here on the secondary. Yeah. This was a unit that was sliced and diced by Kyle Van Treese last year. He threw for uh, nearly 600 yards. This was a Georgia Southern team that just destroyed the JMU secondary all game long. They decided we don't even need to run it. We will willingly get one-dimensional. And we will still dominate you. And that was kind of an Achilles heel of the JMU defense all season. That they weren't necessarily the best uh, at stopping the pass. If their if they're front seven, if their defensive line wasn't getting home in under three seconds and the quarterback had time, then they were going to find someone to complete the pass to. Uh, and you can't really expect a defensive line to time and time and time again get to the quarterback in under three seconds. They got lucky last year that the defensive line was able to do that. But this year, I'm not sure they will be able to do that. And so the secondary will really need to take a step forward. It's kind of a, a super unique group in the sense that like corner is probably more talented but younger. 
safety is more experienced, but probably less talented. Um, and I don't mean that as like a slight. I just think yeah. the corner position has a lot of talent. Starts with Chauncey Logan, right? Chauncey Logan, a lot of people are floating that he's a Heisman candidate. I've heard a lot of people doing that. Bennett, uh, your own thoughts, your own inner thoughts <laughs> yeah. do not count it's, as a lot of people. <laughs> it's me every morning when I wake up before everyone else in the world. I just sort of wander my apartment complex muttering to myself about Chauncey Logan. No. <laughs> You're, that's <laughs> a, not a note. You do do that. I've, I've seen you in person. That's something that I've done. He's a, a true sophomore, started as a true freshman for most of the season, right? He was sort of banged up with, I think it was a soft tissue thing in camp last year and then once he started playing once they gave him um the chance to start a corner he shined he was a guy who came in i think they were like i don't know if he's a corner i don't know if he's a wide receiver turns out he should be playing both which i've said for a long time but they're not doing that they're screwing his heisman candidacy which is you know disrespectful but he's he's really good he's (laughs) cornerback one i think we can trust him right jamie fans can trust him after that it gets a little i don't want to say dicier but it's a little um, less known. You have Brent Austin, who's another talented sophomore who they like a lot. Devin Coles, who is a experienced player who transferred in from Norfolk State. And then a bunch of other names. <laughs> like yeah, just a uh, bunch of other names. Travell Mullen, Nikai Meredith, Antoine Booth, um, all of which were Power 5 transfers. Uh-huh. Um, D'Angelo Pons, a true freshman oh, that they've said some nice things about. I forget about Pons. You don't want to go in the deep end. Yep, people are calling him the deep end because when you you know when you go face D'Angelo Pons, it's like going. You better to the bring deep your end. floaties. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what was I going to say? Oh, Devin Coles, he's been getting a lot of run in these JMU football videos on social. Yeah, he's a he's a fun character. He reminds me a little bit of Jimmy Moreland without probably the same level of like NFL potential, but the sense that like Jimmy Moreland was just like you know he's a, a dog. dog. <laughs> I'm mad that we both said that. Oh, uh, that is a disappointing time. But he was just super competitive, right? He's not yeah. the biggest guy, Jimmy Moreland, but he was making a bunch of plays. He would get torched occasionally because he was like super aggressive, but he would yeah. also force turnovers. Kind of reminds me of what Coles does. So I think Austin, Logan, Coles, that's a good th- trio. I don't know exactly what they'll do with with splitting kind of reps. I think Logan will be on the field a lot. But then like who's – who are the backups? Can they compete? How are they getting themselves in there? Like if there's an injury to Logan, is the cornerback room just like bad the rest of the year or is the depth I mean, better than we think? Travell Mullen was a forced, and I, I kind of do hate bringing up like star recruits because we're not in high school anymore. But for the sake of this discussion, Travell Mullen was expected to be a good cornerback for Indiana. It was a four-star sure. recruit coming out of high school. He should be good. Um, is he starter level good right now? Probably not because he's brand new to this defensive scheme, brand new to the team, everything like that. But say Chauncey gets hurt in week six and everyone has to slide up a spot, um, then you may be comfortable putting Mullen in the slot or as cornerback too. Because how I see it right now is Logan probably covers the wide receiver one. Uh, yeah. Austin covers the wide receiver too. And then Devin Coles is more of that slot type guy. That's how I see it kind of shaking out now. And then from there, I don't know who, uh, when there's a four wide receiver set, who's that fourth corner coming off? Who do you think is potentially that fourth corner that's going to work in? I have no idea. I mean, it could be any, like any of them. I think it could be Mullen. It could be Ponce. It could be Meredith. It could be Booth. Those would kind of I be my guesses. I think it's going to be Booth. Yeah. Big on Just Booth. because 
Booth has been was a Michigan State transfer, and he's been with the team. I believe this is his third year with the team. He, uh, I can't remember. Let me. I will double check. He, but I, uh, I think Booth last year was his first year. Really? So this is his no. second year with the team. Yeah. So he went to Michigan State 2021 and redshirted, and then came to JMU, and he played in one game and had three solo tackles tackles against Texas State. Okay. I think Booth is that fourth guy. Um, I think Meredith may be kind of battling for that CB4. I think Pons may, if he can have a really good rest of his camp and take advantage of the opportunities, maybe he does something similar to what Austin and Logan did. Um, But I don't know how much we'll be seeing at the deep end this season. I think with all of those Power 5 transfers, one of them will be a very good cornerback four. Fingers crossed. And then safeties, this is the most experienced group on the field. I mean, you got Chris Chukwinecki, Josh Surratt, um, Q Reed, Francis Meehan. I feel like I'm missing one, but they got four Jarius, guys for two spots. Jarius Remenik is That's right. uh, the Arkansas State transfer. But they'll probably, it sounds like they want to do five DBs with three safeties. So I think you'll have... Does that include the like the rover they bring the rover, in? but I think... Like Chuck Winicky was one of the main rovers. Yeah. So it'll, those guys, you're probably going to have three of the five on the field. And I kind of feel like they're going to rotate them. Like like with cornerback, it's like, yeah, Chauncey Logan's the best corner. With safety, I don't think there's one where it's like, yeah, so-and-so is the best safety. Or like, it kind of feels like it's split. Like they're all like have their own strengths. Yeah. I, I will say last season, it seemed like Q Reed was kind of one of the go-to guys to start the season. Then his minutes... Yeah, it sounds like basketball. His minutes started to get cut, um, and Remenik started to kind of step in a little bit more. Surat, Mihan. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if the three to start with. Let's predict who are the three starters week one against Bucknell. That's a fair question. I think Mihan's going to start. I'd be surprised if he didn't start. Yes, I think Chuck Winicky probably starts. So then it's who's your third guy, right? I think it's Surratt. It's probably Surratt. Yeah, that sounds right. That yeah. sounds right. That's also what they had for uh, the Coastal game, so that would make a ton of sense. Last year's season finale. I didn't cheat, by the way. I did not cheat and look that up. But Yeah, they have given Surratt a ton of like starting time, so maybe when I say there's not the best, Surratt might be the guy that they're most comfortable with. Yeah, because Q really didn't see – like I love I loved Q Reed, and he started a lot, I believe, two years ago. Um, didn't start all as much last year, especially near the tail end of the year. But um, so I see kind of seen as like the rotating guy. So, you know, when you're kind of getting gas a little bit, maybe they also bring on a safety in that cornerback four spot. You could. I think uh, Reminick, the Arkansas State transfer, had played corner and safety. I think they moved him around at Arkansas State. So there's there's maybe some potential there to shift one of those guys a little bit or or get creative with it. So we'll see. I just kind of want to see more out of the safeties. It feels yeah. like they have a lot of guys that are like, you know, they're solid, but like, I don't know. I miss the days of like Raven Green being a ball hawk and like snagging a bunch of interceptions. And Jordan or, Brown, like that safety Brown was great. Yeah, Making a lot of plays. Like they've, yeah. I think that's the thing that I'd like to see more. It's like, all right, you played like four, five, six years of college football. Like it's, it's time for some like game changing plays, which is the same way I feel about like the entire special teams unit where it's like, all right, it's not good enough to just like exist. Like you got to start making some plays. Yeah. You got to start contributing to a win. Um, yeah. I like that. Well, 
That's a defense. Good Pretty defense. Solid group. Yeah, it should be good. I like it. I like it a lot. I think there'll be a, a very solid group. I think they'll be one of the top units in the Sun Belt yet another year. And I think they'll uh, have similar EPA kind of output that they did last year. They were one of the best defensive units in terms of expected points added uh, on a game basis and on a play-by-play basis. And I don't see that falling off too, too much. The loss of Ukwu hurts, the hurts, uh, the loss of Edwards hurts. But those are really the only two losses you had. And if the secondary continues the ascent that you kind of expect through an offseason and into a fall camp, they should be good enough to allow the defensive line to do what they need to do. I think so, too. Jordan Swan uh, got some like NFL run, which which kind of surprised me a little bit, but good for him. Yeah. Uh, so losing him at corner, I guess, doesn't doesn't help. But I feel like uh, Austin was kind of pushing him and Logan. Yeah, I agree. last year and then austin was, was banged up a good bit yeah i agree um do you want to go into camp chat or news or snooze let's do let's do news or snooze it'll probably lead into camp chatter all right folks this is news or snooze presented by christopher william jewelers hit me you're gonna can you kind of give the the overall idea yeah. so i know what i'm what i'm doing <laughs> not even for the listeners it's just like we, <laughs> this is for we me. don't know what what this is so basically what i what i will do is i'll find if we do this weekly this I'll is a weekly find, thing now it, it, find, there's a lower third this is a weekly okay. thing i'll try to find multiple quotes in this case i have three so it's it's you know leaning on the local media a bit here in some of those press conferences three quotes i'll read it to you i'll give additional context if needed you have to tell me if you think the quote is like newsworthy that means something or if it's like yeah that's a throwaway that i'm i'm not reading into so it doesn't mean the quote is like boring right it's not like oh boring quotes news but it's it's more of like all right that's not actually a big deal okay okay you ready yeah i was gonna put music on for the background of this but i decided not to because i need to this needs to have my full undivided attention (laughs) all right Let's see. I could start with multiple. Here, we'll start with this one. It's a fun one. Our big goal right now is one and zero every week. Be the snooze. first. Be, <laughs> that, that part is snooze. I, I could have just cut that. Be the first team at JMU to go undefeated. This is Cole Potts, offensive lineman, to Dave Rigger. News or snooze with a player throwing out an undefeated season goal. Uh, news, just because, like, man, that is bold of him. That is. An insane thing to say in a fall camp interview. It came out of nowhere. <laughs> like, that was wasn't like, even prompted. Do you think you're going to go undefeated? Hell yeah, we're going to go. No, he's like, we want to be the first team. And it's not even like we want to run through the Sun Belt. It's we want to be the we want to beat every other JMU team to be the first JMU undefeated team. Like, it was, I think they asked, like, it was the last question in the interview, or at least was posted. And it was like, how do you stay motivator is it motivating like not being allowed to play in the sunbelt title game again he's like yeah go one know every week win every game <laughs> it's like whoa okay. it's like well that kind of defeats the whole purpose of going one and oh every week if you're already looking at going that at is pretty undefeated. funny where it's like we're just gonna stay narrowly focused on one game at a time and and try to win 12 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right, that one's news i like that quote that was a good one okay. hit me with the next one second quote kurt signetti so he says well i'd love to see it and I think it's it's worth noting that it here is like a live tackling scrimmage. So while I'd love to see it, I think improving these guys assignment-wise, fundamentally, technique-wise, 
execution-wise and keeping them on the field right now is more important. So essentially he's saying that he's not going to have a full tackling scrimmage this um, camp. News. I want to take you back to this, this game during the COVID times of Navy. I forget who <laughs> Navy played. But Bennett texts me and it was goes, "BYU, I think, right? Yeah, it was BYU. <laughs> Navy was just a slight underdog in the game." And Bennett texts me, and "Goes, this is the biggest lock I've ever had. This is you have to put a few units down on Navy. You have to go. Navy is the best bet, not just of today, not just of the season, but maybe of the last ten years." And I went, "Damn, all right." And so we go into the game, and, like, one of the first sideline hits is, like, on CBS Sports Network or one of, like, the, the B-team uh, networks. And they have a sideline hit, and they go, uh, yeah, Navy didn't tackle all offseason out of preparation for this year and then proceeded to lose by 50. And Bennett, te- three. and Bennett texts me, he goes, well, if I had known they weren't tackling all <laughs> offseason, I wouldn't have bet Navy. And that kind of scares me that Kurt Signetti is following that kind of uh, that layout where they're not tackling. Uh, he mentioned they wanted to get away from soft tissue injuries, everything like that. But what worries me more is the first part of that quote. Can you read it again about what th- what they need to work on? I th- yeah, he said I... Th- I think improving these guys assignment-wise, fundamentally, technique-wise, execution-wise. All of that scares me that like that those are the first things out of your mouth right now. I think it was more of like – so he also added – because I cut parts of it. But there is – before that, he was like, I know they can tackle like like everyone on the defense has been here for like – you know, they're like <laughs> 23 years old. Like they, they know how to tackle. So I think it's just focusing on like, hey, this is how you play the gap. And then they're doing thud. So it's like there's contact. It's just not – Tackling. I think it's, I think it's news as well, and I think it's uh, news for a slightly different reason. He definitely views the Bucknell game like a scrimmage. Like I think he thinks that's a scrimmage, and he's yeah. he's not wrong. <laughs> but that just cracked me up because earlier he had like earlier in camp he had some quote about like yeah weeks two through five are going to be hard. And it was like oh, <laughs> not even <laughs> pretending that the Bucknell game will be a challenge. I think that one is like all right, we don't need to tackle in part because they're veterans. But, like, I don't know, if they went to Charlottesville on September 2nd, I kind of feel like they do a tackling scrimmage. That's a good take. I agree. So, but I thought that was an interesting one at the very least. Probably the most interesting quote he gave uh, after the scrimmage. I like it. Okay, last quote of our three. <laughs> this is my favorite one because it leads to all my theories. Big shout-out to Alonzo, man. He's been playing really well. All of our quarterbacks are actually tough battle, tough battle. This is offensive lineman Tyshawn Wyatt to Dave Rigger earlier this week. When asked just <laughs> broad, broadly about the offense, he started off with a little, you know, Alonzo's balling out kind of thing. News um, or snoops? We'll get into this a little bit more in the camp chatter portion of the podcast. Bennett has a conspiracy theory that he is going to lay out like Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, with that being said, as much as it hurts me to say, it's news. You think so? You there's think nothing There's nothing coming out about Kurt Signetti's comments on the court. This is the first comments on the quarterback battle since, like, day two of fall camp. And, and I think yeah. it means something that Wyatt's first name out of his mouth is Barnett. 
I kind of think so too, right? When it's like, how's the offense looking? It's like Alonzo looks good. It's like, oh, <laughs> this the, you're gonna you're gonna lay out your conspiracy theories here in a little bit, and I and I will let you have the floor for that. This is the only one to me that like okay, that's fair. Makes a conspiracy theory valid. Yeah, that's fair. But it, it is because like how's yeah how's the offense? Well, Alonzo's freaking good. It's like I can't oh. even have any snoozes. Next time I'll have to throw in a clunker. Do you not have like a fourth one you want to just throw in? No fourth one. No fourth one. I have my three. The, well, there was a lot of snooze during during the Signetti four and a half minutes post first scrimmage um, that I did not write write down. But he gave <laughs> a lot of quotes that are, that are pretty boring. That's very fair. Of those three, which one's the most newsworthy? Alonza quote? Non-tackling quote? Or undefeated quote. I'm gonna say Alonza quote yeah, is fair. the most newsworthy, followed by the followed by the non-tackling quote, and then the Cole Potts undefeated quote. That's just a, that's like a that's just an Fun. athlete thing to say, but um, yeah. it's just wild. That like, what do you expect out of this season? We're gonna go one and zero, and then undefeated. <laughs> they, they beat Charlottesville. Beat uh, Virginia. They're going to beat Charlottesville. Look at it. They, they play the. Uh, honestly, UVA's roster could probably benefit from just like some townspeople joining them. No All right. Yeah, we'll um, do you want to jump into camp chatter? Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into. Okay. Should I do conspiracy? Yeah, I have. I have something I have to put on the screen for your conspiracy. Okay. There we go. <laughs> okay, so here's the deal. As you know, it's a two-man quarterback battle. Let's start with the fact, and this has been discussed on radio interviews and mentioned in a DNR story, so it's not like I'm, uh, I'm not breaking anything here. Kirsten Eddie has told the media not to ask about the quarterback position, which is ridiculous, in my opinion. Like, I get that he uh, might not want to talk about it, but like to be like, don't ask, I think is silly. I think that's silly. Anyway, okay. so he's telling him not to ask, basically. So I'm, I'm basing this on the fact that there's literally nothing coming out about the quarterbacks other than him after the scrimmage saying they're progressing well, which means nothing. Like, yeah, I'm encouraged by the court. Like, what does that mean? There's four quarterbacks. They're progressing well. It means absolutely nothing. So what does mean something is they put out these little snippets, right? They put out these little snippets on Twitter, Jamie Football does, and the beat reporters do. And you look at it and you wonder, okay, what can I learn from this? Here's what I'll say. My conspiracy, the Tyshawn Wyatt quote, mentioning Alonzo Barnett playing well when asked about the offense. There's point number one. Then you also look, there have been some pictures of quarterbacks taking snaps from centers throughout camp. In all of those, in all of those, it has been Tanner Morris, the projected starting center, snapping the ball to Alonzo Barnett. Carter Miller, the projected backup and last year's backup, has been snapping the ball to Jordan McLeod. Hmm. Maybe Jordan McLeod's QB too. You also have a recent video posted by JMU Football where Alonzo Barnett gives a handoff to Kalon Black, projected running back one, and throws a touchdown pass to Reggie Brown, projected wide receiver one. Piece it all together... Are they going to start a redshirt freshman? 
<laughs> or have they, is this intentional? Like, does the athletic department know I'm looking at this? Is this a smoke screen? <laughs> well, you know I, what they say. Yeah. If there's smoke, there's what? There's fire. I mean, you also look at the fact that his, his spiral's so tight. Alonzo Barnett, he throws a, he throws a good ball. <laughs> <laughs> so take that for what you will. I do think it's, um, it's wildly frustrating that we've received no information about it at all. And I don't, I don't think it's a competitive advantage. I think they have similar skill sets. I don't think it's going to change. First of all, the Bucknell game is being viewed as a scrimmage. So UVA is going to know who the starting quarterback was. Well, my take is you've, you've heard my take about the Bucknell game. They're going to have an or. I don't think he's going to run the two. You think he's going to do an or and not say? I don't think he's going to say before Bucknell. Like, I I think think this is all gamesmanship. I think he wants to say. Then why hasn't he said it? I think he wants to. So he, he had some other interview, Signetti, where he mentioned, I think it was like the, what is it? The Frary and Smith podcast or something he said he's like if i announce it early the quarterback has to do a bunch of like annoying media interviews which what like like if if he said that alonzo barnett was the quarterback every practice they would ask for alonzo barnett yeah and you know what they wouldn't get i guess signetti doesn't want barnett you know what else is kind of silly about that it's like 2023 and like nil is becoming a big deal and like building a brand and you have like this star young quarterback like probably a good idea to let him build his brand like in Harrisonburg and maybe get involved with that stuff if that's like it doesn't make a lot of sense so I disagree with it but I understand why he does it where it's like hey I'm just going to keep everything internal the external noise it's a very like Nick Saban Alabama thing like just block out everything so I get it I don't agree with it yeah I'm not a fan of it at all like but it's I don't I don't know so I I would be surprised if they do the or thing for Bucknell but I also think both guys are going to play a lot against Bucknell. Did they not do the or thing last year with the two deep? And then because we he didn't started know... and then I think he started and then. Um... Oh, did they do the or on the first two deep? But then he started the game. Yes, exactly. Uh, let me look. I think there's going to be an or week one with this Bucknell two. They did, <laughs> did do an or. Yeah. So okay. I, I, I think we're going to yeah, have an or. You're right. OK, it'll be an or in the depth chart. I think the way I was viewing it is that like once the game happens, we'll know. I don't think so. See, that's where, like, the Middle Tennessee game happened. What There was no or after well, that. Yeah, because it was a Middle Tennessee FBS game. This is an FCS game where so you're going to have a 30-point lead after the two. Game. I think they're going to have an or after the UVA game. Bucknell, they're going to have a 30-point lead after having the ball twice on offense. But wouldn't wouldn't you put a lot of stock into who starts that game? Like, whoever starts against Bucknell, you have no. to think is the starting quarterback. You it's think like you a pre, do, it's preseason. <laughs> it's preseason week two. Are you putting any stock in Zach Wilson starting against the Carolina Panthers in week That's two of the preseason? Actual, that doesn't count in the standings. If, Neither no, does Bucknell. Let's be honest. I know it does, but, like, this is Bucknell. Come on. If, if Kurt Signetti starts Alonzo Barnett against Bucknell, he plays well, and they start Jordan McLeod against UVA, He's a certified psychopath, and I love him for it. But that would be nuts <laughs> if he was like that gamesmanship where it's like, so like, like he starts Billy Atkins or something just to well, like throw everybody off the scent. I think, I think, I think McLeod's going to start against Bucknell. There's going to be an or on the depth chart, and Barnett is going to get the second half snaps. And I think there's going to be an or in the depth chart going against UVA, and I think McLeod is going to get the start. That would be interesting. That would make that would make sense, I guess. Clip it. Clip this part of the podcast. When I'm right, I'm going to have my victory lap so hard. Here's a question for you. Yeah. 
do you think there'd be any value in having whoever the backup is have a package? No, they, get get this Gage Maloney stuff out of here. I, I, I think if McLeod's the backup, I wouldn't mind a package because I feel like he's super shifty as a runner. I also feel like the redshirt senior, you might want to keep him engaged. He's a senior. Season. He has another year of eligibility. He does, but they like list him as a redshirt senior, I think. None of, none of the roster listings make any sense. But yes, he has two years. <laughs> but would you want to keep him, you know, keep him locked in by giving him a package? No. You don't care. It's Connor Mitch. Did they keep Connor Mitch locked in? Connor Mitch, like, couldn't move, though. He got a DUI, didn't he? And he got kicked off the know. team. I don't know. But he, he didn't have <laughs> the uh, the skill set of, like, like, Brian Shore could move. Connor Mitch wasn't that mobile. Like, McLeod and Barnett are both, like, good athletes where I could see. Can I it say something? Make sense, but yeah. Here, here's a real quick thing. Whoever the starter is, I think there is going to be a rough learning curve for both. You got a redshirt freshman making their first ever collegiate start, their first real collegiate action. Or you have Jordan McLeod, who ha- by the time he's strapping up for this UVA or Bucknell game, whichever one he's the starter for, it'll be nearly two years since the last time we talked with QB Spotlight Stephen Hamner last week, taking a live rep in a game. And before that, he was getting limited action at Arizona. The last time he really even took a, a live snap in a meaningful game was for South Florida against UCF at the end he of the 2020 some meaningful Arizona games. I think he only started one game. He started, I think he started two, or if he came in one. so He, he started it. two, but the UCLA one I don't count because that's the game he broke his knee and ankle. Why would you not count that? He played like, he played great. That was his best game ever. I don't not think actually, it was. Not, it no, was. but he played, I watched the tape on that game. That was an impressive showing. If that's the Jordan McLeod that we have and he loses the quarterback battle, then Alonzo Barnett is literally the greatest quarterback in program I think that's the part where, like, if McLeod loses this and Barnett wins, Barnett has the potential. And I said this in a tweet. Barnett has the potential to be the greatest yeah. quarterback in JMU history. Yeah. This is all very fascinating. Um, it's all extremely fascinating. Is there any other camp chatter that you really enjoyed hearing about? Because for me, uh, it's, it's Jalen Walker choosing to wear the number five. Taylor Walker's wearing number five, Taurus Jones number zero. We got some some interesting numbers across the board. Teddy Bridgewater for the Lions rocking number 50 in the preseason. Five zero. Five, yeah. So maybe he's like a hybrid of those two. I think I honestly think it's a nod to Jamie football. I think he was like, look, I saw what you guys were doing with your linebacking duo. I I am going to just kind of do a hat tip and I'll I'll combine the two and wear that for this season. I'll be honest though, I haven't learned anything in camp. To a frustrating degree. I want to, like, I don't actually know, like, I've heard comments of, like, yeah, they, they think the receivers, some receivers are stepping up. Who? who? Who's stepping up? Like, I don't know. The quarterbacks, they're progressing. Who? Signetti's been <laughs> saying that some positions don't have enough depth. Which ones? Like, there's there have been no specifics about anything. So it's like I just stare at the roster every day, and I'm like, looks pretty good. But I don't actually know who any of the people are. And it's it's like is Signetti gonna say anything, do you think, between now and September second? Should I just like should I just zone out? I feel like it would be the same level of he hasn't said anything of relevance at all. I, I'm get I I'm getting nothing from Signet. I don't think he's gonna say anything until he has to. I mean, and the thing is anything. he never will have to. This is the frustrating part of college athletics. 
you don't you don't have to say anything if you're a head coach. You can keep everything in house. That's what he does, I guess. But I don't know. I'd like to I'd like to learn a little more because we've got a couple weeks. What we got next week's the last week of camp, and then it's a game week. Yeah, and I don't think he's told that. Well, the game week though, you get the two deep. So like once <laughs> you get there, it's like all right, at least I can look in the two deep is going to just be like the same as last year, right? Because it's such a similar roster where I guess there's there's some where it's not, where it's like, oh, like, you know, Percy's gone and Chris Thornton's gone. It's like, I know, but like, they were Reggie Brown. Guys who are like right behind them Jay that are capable. Black. The only parts that will be interesting, right, is like who plays the slot, which is probably Sproles, so it's not even interesting, right? Phoenix Sproles <laughs> is starting the slot. Like it's... I don't know. There's just not that much there to... And we're going to get an or on the QB position, and then that's not going to let us figure anything out. And because no one's tackled, the Bucknell game is legit going to be viewed as like, I'm going to get a bunch of guys in and get them their reps. What if... What if they lose to Bucknell or like it's a close win? (laughs) It would be panic. I don't think there's any... Bucknell is supposed to be the worst team in the Patriot League. Right, I don't think they're full scholarship. Like, I would be shocking if it was uh, <laughs> if it was a bag. I just think because they're going to be able to dominate so much up front that they really won't have any issues. But it's also one like I don't know if I'd rather be Virginia playing Tennessee, where they're a four touchdown dog, but they'll get some good reps against like a top fifteen allegedly team. Or if you'll allegedly have, don't you're throwing shade at the volunteers. I don't think they're going to be that good, but whatever. Joe Milton, I guess, is great, even though he like couldn't make it as a starter every other time you try it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it'll be good now, <laughs> All right? Sure. Um, no, I don't know. Or if you want to play like that borderline scrimmage against Bucknell, or if it even matters, right? It's going to be whoever plays better football. I don't know how much it matters, but yeah. Well, anything else you want to add? Not too much. I think volleyball was picked to finish first in the Sunbelt East. I think I want to say women's soccer had a decent pick. Yeah. Men's soccer was toward the bottom of the Sunbelt, but that conference is loaded. Yeah. Yeah, the women's soccer is the pre- Sunbelt preseason co-favorite. Don't know if any others came out, but Olympic sports tomorrow, Thursday, August 17th, the women's soccer team has a match, which is the first Jamie sporting event of the year. Mark your calendar, set your alarms, get ready for it. Field hockey's coming up quick too, right? Field hockey, yeah, they're they're still independent this year, but they are coming up too. Let's see what they're they got some scrimmages and then the twenty fifth of August they get going. I think if I'm not mistaken, do you know who women's soccer plays? Charlotte. They do. They open Really? The yep, they open the season with Charlotte at home in Harrisonburg. Wait, really? Wow, what are the odds that I would get that right? <laughs> what are the odds? <laughs> Pretty good, actually, if you presented it in the way you did. That's true. <laughs> but, all right. For Ben and Conlon, I'm Jack Fitzpatrick. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the JMU Sports News Podcast presented by Bet Online. We'll be back next Wednesday, 7 p.m., Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube live streaming and available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a comment wherever you find JMU Sports News and leave a five-star review if you so choose. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. See ya.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.